BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 24 Of the Ingenious Gentleman, Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume One, Part One, Chapter Twenty Four, in which is continued the adventure of the Sierra Morena. The history relates that it was with the greatest attention don quixote listened to the ill-starred knight of the sierra who began by saying of a surety senor whoever you are for i know you not i thank you for the proofs of kindness and courtesy you have shown me and would i were in a condition to requite with something more than good will that which you have displayed towards me in the cordial reception you have given me but my fate does not afford me any other means of returning kindnesses done me save the hearty desire to repay them mine replied don quixote is to be of service to you so much so that i had resolved not to quit these mountains until i had found you and learned of you whether there is any kind of relief to be found for that sorrow under which from the strangeness of your life you seem to labour and to search for you with all possible diligence if search had been necessary and if your misfortune should prove to be one of those that refuse admission to any sort of consolation it was my purpose to join you in lamenting and mourning over it so far as i could for it is still some comfort in misfortune to find one who can feel for it and if my good intentions deserve to be acknowledged with any kind of courtesy i entreat you senor by that which i perceive you possess in so high a degree and likewise conjure you by whatever you love or have loved best in life to tell me who you are and the cause that has brought you to live or die in these solitudes like a brute beast dwelling among them in a manner so foreign to your condition as your garb and appearance show and i swear added don quixote by the order of knighthood which i though unworthy and a sinner have received and by my vocation of knight-errant if you gratify me in this to serve you with all the zeal my calling demands of me either in relieving your misfortune if it admits of relief or in joining you in lamenting it as i promised to do the knight of the thicket hearing him of the rueful countenance talk in this strain did nothing but stare at him and stare at him again and again survey him from head to foot and when he had thoroughly examined him he said to him if you have anything to give me to eat for god's sake give it me and after i have eaten 
I will do all you ask in acknowledgment of the good will you have displayed towards me. Sancho from his sack and the goat herd from his pouch furnished the ragged one with the means of appeasing his hunger, and what they gave him he ate like a half-witted being, so hastily that he took no time between mouthfuls, gorging rather than swallowing, and while he ate neither he nor they who observed him uttered a word. As soon as he had done he made signs to them to follow him, which they did, and he led them to a green plat which lay a little farther off around the corner of a rock on reaching it he stretched himself upon the grass and the others did the same all keeping silence until the ragged one settling himself in his place said if it is your wish sirs that i should disclose in a few words the surpassing extent of my misfortunes you must promise not to break the thread of my sad story with any question or other interruption for the instant you do so the tale i tell will come to an end these words of the ragged one reminded don quixote of the tale his squire had told him when he failed to keep count of the goats that had crossed the river and the story remained unfinished but to return to the ragged one he went on to say i give you this warning because i wish to pass briefly over the story of my misfortunes for recalling them to memory only serves to add fresh ones and the less you question me the sooner shall i make an end of the recital though I shall not omit to relate anything of importance in order fully to satisfy your curiosity. Don Quixote gave the promise for himself and the others, and with this assurance he began as follows. My name is Cardenio, my birthplace one of the best cities of this Andalusia, my family noble, my parents rich, my misfortunes so great that my parents must have wept and my family grieved over it without being able by their wealth to lighten it for the gifts of fortune can do little to relieve reverses sent by heaven in that same country there was a heaven in which love had placed all the glory i could desire such was the beauty of lucinda a damsel as noble and as rich as i but of happier fortunes and of less firmness than was due to so worthy a passion as mine this lucinda i loved worshipped and adored from my earliest and tenderest years and she loved me in all the innocence and sincerity of childhood our parents were aware of our feelings and were not sorry to perceive them for they saw clearly that as they ripened they must lead at last to a marriage between us a thing that seemed almost prearranged by the equality of our families and wealth we grew up and with our growth grew the love between us so that the father of lucinda felt bound for propriety's sake to refuse me admission to his house in this perhaps imitating the parents of that thisbe so celebrated by the poets and this refusal but added love to love and flame to flame for though they enforced silence upon our tongues they could not impose it upon our pens which can make known the heart's secrets to a loved one more freely than tongues for many a time the presence of the object of love shakes the firmest will and strikes dumb the boldest tongue ah heavens how many letters did i write her and how many dainty modest replies did i receive how many ditties and love-songs did i compose in which my heart declared and made known its feelings described its ardent longings revelled in its recollections and dallied with its desires at length growing impatient and feeling my heart languishing with longing to see her I resolved to put into execution and carry out what seemed to me the best mode of winning my desired and merited reward 
to ask her of her father for my lawful wife which i did to this his answer was that he thanked me for the disposition i showed to do honour to him and to regard myself as honoured by the bestowal of his treasure but that as my father was alive it was his by right to make this demand for if it were not in accordance with his full will and pleasure lucinda was not to be taken or given by stealth i thanked him for his kindness reflecting that there was reason in what he said and that my father would assent to it as soon as i should tell him and with that view i went the very same instant to let him know what my desires were when i entered the room where he was i found him with an open letter in his hand which before i could utter a word he gave me saying by this letter thou wilt see cardenio the disposition the duke ricardo has to serve thee this duke ricardo as you sirs probably know already is a grandee of spain who has his seat in the best part of this andalusia i took and read the letter which was couched in terms so flattering that even i myself felt it would be wrong in my father not to comply with the request the duke made in it which was that he would send me immediately to him as he wished me to become the companion not servant of his eldest son and would take upon himself the charge of placing me in a position corresponding to the esteem in which he held me on reading the letter my voice failed me and still more when i heard my father say two days hence thou wilt depart cardenio in accordance with the duke's wish and give thanks to god who is opening a road to thee by which thou mayest attain what i know thou dost deserve and to these words he added others of fatherly counsel the time for my departure arrived i spoke one night to lucinda i told her all that had occurred as i did also to her father entreating him to allow some delay and to defer the disposal of her hand until i should see what the duke ricardo sought of me he gave me the promise and she confirmed it with vows and swoonings unnumbered finally i presented myself to the duke and was received and treated by him so kindly that very soon envy began to do its work the old servants growing envious of me and regarding the duke's inclination to show me favour as an injury to themselves but the one to whom my arrival gave the greatest pleasure was the duke's second son fernando by name a gallant youth of noble generous and amorous disposition who very soon made so intimate a friend of me that it was remarked by everybody for though the elder was attached to me and showed me kindness he did not carry his affectionate treatment to the same length as don fernando it so happened then that as between friends no secret remains unshared and as the intimacy i enjoyed with don fernando had grown into friendship he made all his thoughts known to me and in particular a love affair which troubled his mind a little he was deeply in love with a peasant girl a vassal of his father's the daughter of wealthy parents and herself so beautiful modest discreet and virtuous that no one who knew her was able to decide in which of these respects she was most highly gifted or most excelled the attractions of the fair peasant raised the passion of don fernando to such a point that in order to gain his object and overcome her virtuous resolutions he determined to pledge his word to her to become her husband for to attempt it in any other way was to attempt an impossibility bound to him as i was by friendship i strove by the best arguments and the most forcible examples i could think of 
to restrain and dissuade him from such a course but perceiving i produced no effect i resolved to make the duke ricardo his father acquainted with the matter but don fernando being sharp-witted and shrewd foresaw and apprehended this perceiving that by my duty as a good servant i was bound not to keep concealed the thing so much opposed to the honour of my lord the duke and so to mislead and deceive me he told me he could find no better way of effacing from his mind the beauty that so enslaved him than by absenting himself for some months and that he wished the absence to be effected by our going both of us to my father's house under the pretence which he would make to the duke of going to see and buy some fine horses that there were in my city which produces the best in the world when i heard him say so even if his resolution had not been so good a one i should have hailed it as one of the happiest that could be imagined prompted by my affection seeing what a favourable chance and opportunity it afforded me of returning to see my lucinda with this thought and wish i commended his idea and encouraged his design advising him to put it into execution as quickly as possible as in truth absence produced its effect in spite of the most deeply rooted feelings but as afterwards appeared when he said this to me he had already enjoyed the peasant girl under the title of husband and was waiting for an opportunity of making it known with safety to himself being in dread of what his father the duke would do when he came to know of his folly it happened then that as with young men love is for the most part nothing more than appetite which as its final object is enjoyment comes to an end on obtaining it and that which seemed to be love takes to flight as it cannot pass the limit fixed by nature which fixes no limit to true love what i mean is that after don fernando had enjoyed this peasant girl his passion subsided and his eagerness cooled as if at first he feigned a wish to absent himself in order to cure his love he was now in reality anxious to go to avoid keeping his promise the duke gave him permission and ordered me to accompany him we arrived at my city and my father gave him the reception due to his rank i saw lucinda without delay and though it had not been dead or deadened my love gathered fresh life to my sorrow i told the story of it to don fernando for i thought that in virtue of the great friendship he bore me i was bound to conceal nothing from him i extolled her beauty her gaiety her wit so warmly that my praises excited in him a desire to see a damsel adorned by such attractions to my misfortune i yielded to it showing her to him one night by the light of a taper at a window where we used to talk to one another as she appeared to him in her dressing-gown he drove all the beauties he had seen until then out of his recollection speech failed him his head turned he was spellbound and in the end love smitten as you will see in the course of the story of my misfortune and to inflame still further his passion which he hid from me and revealed to heaven alone it so happened that one day he found a note of hers entreating me to demand her of her father in marriage so delicate so modest and so tender that on reading it he told me that in lucinda alone were combined all the charms of beauty and understanding that were distributed among all the other women in the world it is true and i own it now that though i knew what good cause don fernando had to praise lucinda it gave me uneasiness to hear these praises from his mouth
and i began to fear and with reason to feel distrust of him for there was no moment when he was not ready to talk of lucinda and he would start the subject himself even though he dragged it in unseasonably a circumstance that aroused in me a certain amount of jealousy not that i feared any change in the constancy or faith of lucinda but still my fate led me to forebode what she assured me against don fernando contrived always to read the letters i sent to lucinda and her answers to me under the pretense that he enjoyed the wit and sense of both it so happened then that lucinda having begged of me a book of chivalry to read one that she was very fond of amadis of gaul don quixote no sooner heard a book of chivalry mentioned than he said had your worship told me at the beginning of your story that the lady lucinda was fond of books of chivalry no other laudation would have been requisite to impress upon me the superiority of her understanding for it could not have been of the excellence you describe had a taste for such delightful reading been wanting so as far as i am concerned you need waste no more words in describing her beauty worth and intelligence for on merely hearing what her taste was i declare her to be the most beautiful and the most intelligent woman in the world and i wish your worship had along with amadis of gaul sent her the most worthy don rugel of greece for i know the lady lucinda would greatly relish garaida and garaya and the shrewd sayings of the shepherd darinel and the admirable verses of his bucolic sung and delivered by him with such sprightliness wit and ease but a time may come when this omission can be remedied and to rectify it nothing more is needed than for your worship to be so good as to come with me to my village for there i can give you more than three hundred books which are the delight of my soul and the entertainment of my life though it occurs to me that i have not got one of them now thanks to the spite of wicked and envious enchanters but pardon me for having broken the promise we made not to interrupt your discourse for when i hear chivalry or knights-errant mentioned i can no more help talking about them than the rays of the sun can help giving heat or those of the moon moisture pardon me therefore and proceed for that is more to the purpose now while don quixote was saying this cardenio allowed his head to fall upon his breast and seemed plunged in deep thought and though twice don quixote bade him go on with his story he neither looked up nor uttered a word in reply but after some time he raised his head and said i cannot get rid of the idea nor will any one in the world remove it or make me think otherwise and he would be a blockhead who would hold or believe anything else than that that errant knave master elisabad made free with queen madasima that is not true by all that's good said don quixote in high wrath turning upon him angrily as his way was and it is a very great slander or rather villainy queen madasima was a very illustrious lady and it is not to be supposed that so exalted a princess would have made free with a quack and whoever maintains the contrary lies like a great scoundrel and i will give him to know it on foot or on horseback armed or unarmed by night or by day or as he likes best cardenio was looking at him steadily and his mad fit having now come upon him he had no disposition to go on with his story nor would don quixote have listened to it so much had what he had heard about madasima disgusted him strange to say he stood up for her as if she were in earnest his veritable born lady to such a pass had his unholy books brought him 
cardenio then being as i said now mad when he heard himself given the lie and called a scoundrel and other insulting names not relishing the jest snatched up a stone that he found near him and with it delivered such a blow on don quixote's breast that he laid him on his back sancho panza seeing his master treated in this fashion attacked the madman with his closed fist but the ragged one received him in such a way that with a blow of his fist he stretched him at his feet and then mounting upon him crushed his ribs to his own satisfaction the goatherd who came to the rescue shared the same fate and having beaten and pummeled them all he left them and quietly withdrew to his hiding-place on the mountain sancho rose and with the rage he felt at finding himself so belaboured without deserving it ran to take vengeance on the goatherd accusing him of not giving them warning that this man was at times taken with a mad fit for if they had known it they would have been on their guard to protect themselves the goatherd replied that he had said so and that if he had not heard him that it was no fault of his sancho retorted and the goatherd rejoined and the altercation ended in seizing each other by the beard and exchanging such fisticuffs that if don quixote had not made peace between them they would have knocked one another to pieces leave me alone sir knight of the rueful countenance said sancho grappling with the goatherd for of this fellow who is a clown like myself and no dubbed knight i can safely take satisfaction for the affront he has offered me fighting with him hand to hand like an honest man that is true said don quixote but i know that he is not to blame for what has happened with this he pacified them and again asked the goatherd if it would be possible to find cardenio as he felt the greatest anxiety to know the end of his story the goatherd told him as he had told him before that there was no knowing of a certainty where his lair was but that if he wandered about much in that neighbourhood he could not fail to fall in with him either in or out of his senses end of volume one part one chapter twenty four recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty five of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty five which treats of the strange things that happened to the stout knight of la mancha in the sierra morena and of his imitation of the penance of beltenebros don quixote took leave of the goat-herd and once more mounting rocinante bade sancho follow him which he having no ass did very discontentedly they proceeded slowly making their way into the most rugged part of the mountain sancho all the while dying to have a talk with his master and longing for him to begin so that there should be no breach of the injunction laid upon him but unable to keep silence so long he said to him senor don quixote give me your worship's blessing and dismissal for i'd like to go home at once to my wife and children with whom i can at any rate talk and converse as much as i like for to want me to go through these solitudes day and night and not speak to you when i have a mind is burying me alive if luck would have it that animals spoke as they did in the days of Gisopeta, it would not be so bad, 
because I could talk to Rosinante about whatever came into my head, and so put up with my ill fortune. But it is a hard case, and not to be borne with patience, to go seeking adventures all one's life, and get nothing but kicks and blanketings, brickbats and punches, and with all this, to have to sew up one's mouth without daring to say what is in one's heart, just as if one were dumb. I understand thee, Sancho, replied Don Quixote. Thou art dying to have the interdict I placed upon thy tongue removed. Consider it removed, and say what thou wilt, on condition that the removal is not to last longer than while we are wandering in these mountains. So be it, said Sancho. Let me speak now, for God knows what will happen by and by. And to take advantage of the permit at once, I ask, what made your worship stand up so for that queen Majimasa, or whatever her name is, or what did it matter whether that abbot was a friend of hers or not? For if your worship had let that pass, and you were not a judge in the matter, it is my belief the madman would have gone on with his story, and the blow of the stone and the kicks and more than half a dozen cuffs would have been escaped. In faith, Sancho, answered Don Quixote, if thou knewest as I do what an honorable and illustrious lady Queen Madasima was, I know thou would say I had great patience that I did not break in pieces the mouth that uttered such blasphemies, for a very great blasphemy it is to say or imagine that a queen has made free with a surgeon. The truth of the story is that that master Elisabad, whom the madman mentioned, was a man of great prudence and sound judgment and served as governor and physician to the queen. But to suppose that she was his mistress is nonsense, deserving very severe punishment. And as a proof that Cardenio did not know what he was saying, remember when he said it he was out of his wits. That is what I say, said Sancho. There was no occasion for minding the words of a madman. For if good luck had not helped your worship, and he had sent that stone at your head instead of at your breast, a fine way we should have been in for standing up for my lady yonder god confound her and then would not cardenio have gone free as a madman against men in their senses or against madmen said don quixote every knight-errant is bound to stand up for the honour of women whoever they may be much more for queens of such high degree and dignity as queen madasima for whom i have a particular regard on account of her amiable qualities for besides being extremely beautiful she was very wise and very patient under her misfortunes of which she had many and the counsel and society of the master elisabad were a great help and support to her in enduring her afflictions with wisdom and resignation hence the ignorant and ill-disposed vulgar took occasion to say and think that she was his mistress and they lie i say it once more and will lie two hundred times more all who think and say so I neither say nor think so, said Sancho. Let them look to it. With their bread, let them eat it. They have rendered account to God whether they misbehaved or not. I come from my vineyard. I know nothing. I am not fond of prying into other men's lives. He who buys and lies feels it in his purse. Moreover, naked was I born. Naked I find myself. I neither lose nor gain. But if they did, what is that to me? Many think there are flitches where there are no hooks but who can put gates to the open plain? Moreover, they said of God, God bless me, said Don Quixote, what a set of absurdities thou art stringing together. What has what we are talking about got to do with the proverbs thou art threading one after the other? For God's sake, hold thy tongue, Sancho, and henceforward keep to prodding thy ass, and don't meddle in what does not concern thee. 
and understand with all thy five senses that everything i have done am doing or shall do is well founded on reason and in conformity with the rules of chivalry for i understand them better than all the knights in the world that profess them senor replied sancho is it a good rule of chivalry that we should go astray through these mountains without path or road looking for a madman who when he is found will perhaps take a fancy to finish what he began not his story but your worship's head and my ribs and end by breaking them altogether for us peace i say again sancho said don quixote for let me tell thee it is not so much the desire of finding that madman that leads me into these regions as that which i have of performing among them an achievement wherewith i shall win eternal name and fame throughout the known world and it shall be such that i shall thereby set the seal on all that can make a knight errant perfect and famous and is it very perilous this achievement asked sancho no replied he of the rueful countenance though it may be in the dice that we may throw deuce ace instead of sixes but all will depend on thy diligence on my diligence said sancho yes said don quixote for if thou dost return soon from the place where i mean to send thee my penance will be soon over and my glory will soon begin but as it is not right to keep thee any longer in suspense waiting to see what comes of my words i would have thee know sancho that the famous amadis of gaul was one of the most perfect knights errant i am wrong to say he was one he stood alone the first the only one the lord of all that were in the world in his time a fig for don belianis and for all who say he equaled him in any respect for my oath upon it they are deceiving themselves i say too that when a painter desires to become famous in his art he endeavors to copy the originals of the rarest painters that he knows and the same rule holds good for all the most important crafts and callings that serve to adorn a state thus will he who would be esteemed prudent and patient imitate ulysses in whose person and labors homer presents to us a lively picture of prudence and patience as virgil too shows us in the person of aeneas the virtue of a pious son and the sagacity of a brave and skilful captain not representing or describing them as they were but as they ought to be so as to leave the example of their virtues to posterity in the same way amadis was the pole star day star son of valiant and devoted knights whom all we who fight under the banner of love and chivalry are bound to imitate this then being so i consider friend sancho that the knight-errant who shall imitate him most closely will come nearest to reaching the perfection of chivalry now one of the instances in which this knight most conspicuously showed his prudence worth valour patience fortitude and love was when he withdrew rejected by the lady oriana to do penance upon the peña pobre changing his name into that of beltenebros a name assuredly significant and appropriate to the life which he had voluntarily adopted so as it is easier for me to imitate him in this than in cleaving giants asunder cutting off serpents heads slaying dragons routing armies destroying fleets and breaking enchantments and as this place is so well suited for a similar purpose i must not allow the opportunity to escape which now so conveniently offers me its forelock what is it in reality said sancho that your worship means to do in such an out-of-the-way place as this have i not told thee answered don quixote that i mean to imitate amadis here playing the victim of despair the madman the maniac 
so as at the same time to imitate the valiant roland when at the fountain he had evidence of the fair angelica having disgraced herself with medoro and through grief thereat went mad and plucked up trees troubled the waters of the clear springs slew shepherds destroyed flocks burned down huts leveled houses dragged mares after him and perpetrated a hundred thousand other outrages worthy of everlasting renown and record and though i have no intention of imitating roland or orlando or rotolando for he went by all these names step by step in all the mad things he did said and thought i will make a rough copy to the best of my power of all that seems to me most essential but perhaps i shall content myself with the simple imitation of amadis who without giving way to any mischievous madness but merely to tears and sorrow gained as much fame as the most famous it seems to me said sancho that the knights who behaved in this way had provocation and cause for those follies and penances but what cause has your worship for going mad what lady has rejected you or what evidence have you found to prove that the lady dulcinea del toboso has been trifling with moor or christian there is the point replied don quixote and that is the beauty of this business of mine no thanks to a knight-errant for going mad when he has a cause the thing is to turn crazy without any provocation and to let my lady know if i do this in the dry what i would do in the moist moreover i have abundant cause in the long separation i have endured from my lady till death dulcinea del toboso for as thou didst hear that shepherd ambrosio say the other day in absence all ills are felt and feared and so friend sancho waste no time in advising me against so rare so happy and so unheard of an imitation mad i am and mad i must be until thou returnest with the answer to a letter that i mean to send by thee to my lady dulcinea and if it be such as my constancy deserves my insanity and penance will come to an end and if it be to the opposite effect i shall become mad in earnest and being so i shall suffer no more thus in whatever way she may answer i shall escape from the struggle and affliction in which thou wilt leave me enjoying in my senses the boon thou bearest me or as a madman not feeling the evil thou bringest me but tell me sancho hast thou got mambrino's helmet safe for i saw thee take it up from the ground when that wretch tried to break it in pieces but could not by which the fineness of its temper may be seen to which sancho made answer by the living god sir knight of the rueful countenance i cannot endure or bear with patience some of the things that your worship says and from them i begin to suspect that all you tell me about chivalry and winning kingdoms and empires and giving islands and bestowing other rewards and dignities after the custom of knights-errant must be all made up of wind and lies and all pigments or figments or whatever we may call them for what would any one think that heard your worship calling a barber's basin mambrino's helmet without ever seeing the mistake all this time but that one who says and maintains such things must have had his brains addled i have the basin in my sack all dinted and i am taking it home to have it mended to trim my beard in it if by god's grace i am allowed to see my wife and children some day or other look here sancho said don quixote by him thou didst swear by just now i swear thou hast the most limited understanding that any squire in the world has or ever had is it possible that all this time thou hast been going about with me thou hast never found out that all things belonging to knights-errant 
seem to be illusions and nonsense and ravings and to go always by contraries and not because it really is so but because there is always a swarm of enchanters in attendance upon us that change and alter everything with us and turn things as they please and according as they are disposed to aid or destroy us thus what seems to thee a barber's basin seems to me mambrino's helmet and to another it will seem something else and rare foresight it was in the sage who was on my side to make what is really and truly mambrino's helmet seem a basin to everybody for being held in such estimation as it is all the world would pursue me to rob me of it but when they see it is only a barber's basin they do not take the trouble to obtain it as was plainly shown by him who tried to break it and left it on the ground without taking it for by my faith had he known it he would never have left it behind keep it safe my friend for just now i have no need of it indeed i shall have to take off all this armor and remain as naked as i was born if i have a mind to follow roland rather than amadis in my penance thus talking they reached the foot of a high mountain which stood like an isolated peak among the others that surrounded it past its base there flowed a gentle brook all around it spread a meadow so green and luxuriant that it was a delight to the eyes to look upon it and forest trees in abundance and shrubs and flowers added to the charms of the spot upon this place the knight of the rueful countenance fixed his choice for the performance of his penance and as he beheld it exclaimed in a loud voice as though he were out of his senses this is the place so ye heavens that i select and choose for bewailing the misfortune in which ye yourselves have plunged me this is the spot where the overflowings of mine eyes shall swell the waters of yon little brook and my deep and endless sighs shall stir unceasingly the leaves of these mountain trees in testimony and token of the pain my persecuted heart is suffering o oh, ye rural deities whoever ye be that haunt this lone spot give ear to the complaint of a wretched lover whom long absence and brooding jealousy have driven to bewail his fate among these wilds and complain of the hard heart of that fair and ungrateful one the end and limit of all human beauty o oh, ye wood nymphs and dryads that dwell in the thickets of the forest so may the nimble wanton satyrs by whom ye are vainly wooed never disturb your sweet repose help me to lament my hard fate or at least weary not at listening to it o oh, dulcinea del toboso day of my night glory of my pain guide of my path star of my fortune so may heaven grant thee in full all thou seekest of it bethink thee of the place and condition to which absence from thee has brought me and make that return in kindness that is due to my fidelity o lonely trees that from this day forward shall bear me company in my solitude give me some sign by the gentle movement of your boughs that my presence is not distasteful to you o thou my squire pleasant companion in my prosperous and adverse fortunes fix well in thy memory what thou shalt see me do here so that thou mayest relate and report it to the sole cause of all and so saying he dismounted from rocinante and in an instant relieved him of saddle and bridle and giving him a slap on the croup said he gives thee freedom who is bereft of it himself o steed as excellent indeed as thou art unfortunate in thy lot be gone where thou wilt for thou bearest written on thy forehead that neither astolfo's hippogriff 
nor the famed frontino that cost bradamante so dear could equal thee in speed seeing this sancho said good luck to him who has saved us the trouble of stripping the pack saddle off dapple by my faith he would not have gone without a slap on the croup in something said in his praise though if he were here i would not let any one strip him for there would be no occasion as he had nothing of the lover or victim of despair about him inasmuch as his master which i was while it was god's pleasure was nothing of the sort and indeed sir knight of the rueful countenance if my departure and your worship's madness are to come off in earnest it will be as well to saddle rocinante again in order that he may supply the want of dapple because it will save me time in going and returning for if i go on foot i don't know when i shall get there or when i shall get back as i am in truth a bad walker i declare sancho returned don quixote it shall be as thou wilt for thy plan does not seem to me a bad one and three days hence thou wilt depart for i wish thee to observe in the meantime what i do and say for her sake that thou mayest be able to tell it but what more have i to see besides what i have seen said sancho much thou knowest about it said don quixote i have now got to tear up my garments to scatter about my armor knock my head against these rocks and more of the same sort of thing which thou must witness for the love of god said sancho be careful your worship how you give yourself these knocks on the head for you may come across such a rock and in such a way that the very first may put an end to the whole contrivance of this penance and i should think if indeed knocks on the head seem necessary to you and this business cannot be done without them you might be content as the whole thing is feigned and counterfeit and in joke you might be content i say with giving them to yourself in the water or against something soft like cotton and leave it all to me for i'll tell my lady that your worship knocked your head against a point of rock harder than a diamond i thank thee for thy good intentions friend sancho answered don quixote but i would have thee know that all these things i am doing are not in joke but very much in earnest for anything else would be a transgression of the ordinances of chivalry which forbid us to tell any lie whatever under the penalties due to apostasy and to do one thing instead of another is just the same as lying so my knocks on the head must be real solid and valid without anything sophisticated or fanciful about them and it will be needful to leave me some lint to dress my wounds since fortune has compelled us to do without the balsam we lost it was worse losing the ass replied sancho for with him lint and all were lost but i beg of your worship not to remind me again of that accursed liquor for my soul not to say my stomach turns at hearing the very name of it and i beg of you too to reckon as past the three days you allowed me for seeing the mad things you do for i take them as seen already and pronounced upon and i will tell wonderful stories to my lady so write the letter and send me off at once for i long to return and take your worship out of this purgatory where i am leaving you purgatory dost thou call it sancho said don quixote rather call it hell or even worse if there be anything worse for one who is in hell said sancho nulla es retentio as i have heard say i do not understand what retentio means said don quixote retentio answered sancho means that whoever is in hell never comes nor can come out of it which will be the opposite case with your worship or my legs will be idle that is if i have spurs to enliven rocinante let me once get to el toboso and into the presence of my lady dulcinea and i will tell her such things of the follies and madnesses for it is all one that your worship has done and is still doing 
that i will manage to make her softer than a glove though i find her harder than a cork tree and with her sweet and honeyed answer i will come back through the air like a witch and take your worship out of this purgatory that seems to be hell but is not as there is hope of getting out of it which as i have said those in hell have not and i believe your worship will not say anything to the contrary that is true said he of the rueful countenance but how shall we manage to write the letter and the ass-colt order too added sancho all shall be included said don quixote and as there is no paper it would be well done to write it on the leaves of trees as the ancients did or on tablets of wax though that would be just as hard to find now as paper but it has just occurred to me how it may be conveniently and even more than conveniently written and that is in the notebook that belonged to cardenio and thou wilt take care to have it copied on paper in a good hand at the first village thou comest to where there is a schoolmaster or if not any sacristan will copy it but see thou give it not to any notary to copy for they write a law hand that satan could not make out but what is to be done about the signature said sancho the letters of amadis were never signed said don quixote that is all very well said sancho but the order must needs be signed and if it is copied they will say the signature is false and i shall be left without ass colts the order shall go signed in the same book said don quixote and on seeing it my niece will make no difficulty about obeying it as to the love letter thou canst put by way of signature yours till death the knight of the rueful countenance and it will be no great matter if it is in some other person's hand for as well as i recollect dulcinea can neither read nor write nor in the whole course of her life has she seen handwriting or letter of mine for my love and hers have been always platonic not going beyond a modest look and even that so seldom that i can safely swear i have not seen her four times in all these twelve years i have been loving her more than the light of these eyes that the earth will one day devour and perhaps even of those four times she has not once perceived that i was looking at her such as a retirement and seclusion in which her father lorenzo corjuelo and her mother aldonza nogales have brought her up so so said sancho lorenzo corjuelo's daughter is the lady dulcinea del toboso otherwise called aldonzo lorenzo she it is said don quixote and she it is that is worthy to be lady of the universe i know her well said sancho and let me tell you she can fling a crowbar as well as the lustiest lad in all the town giver of all good but she is a brave lass and a right and stout one and fit to be helpmate to any knight-errant that is or is to be who may make her his lady the horse and wench what pith she has and what a voice i can tell you one day she posted herself on the top of the belfry of the village to call some laborers of theirs that were in a ploughed field of her father's and though they were better than half a league off they heard her as well as if they were at the foot of the tower and the best of her is that she is not a bit prudish for she has plenty of affability and jokes with everybody and has a grin and a jest for everything so sir knight of the rueful countenance i say you not only may and ought to do mad freaks for her sake but you have a good right to give way to despair and hang yourself and no one who knows of it but will say you did well though the devil should take you and i wish i were on my road already simply to see her for it is many a day since i saw her and she must be altered by this time for going about the fields always and the sun and the air spoil women's looks greatly but i must own the truth to your worship senor don quixote until now i have been under a great mistake for i believed truly and honestly that the lady dulcinea must be some princess your worship was in love with 
or some person great enough to deserve the rich presents you have sent her such as the biscayan and the galley slaves and many more no doubt for your worship must have won many victories in the time when i was not yet your squire but all things considered what good can it do the lady aldonza lorenzo i mean the lady dulcinea del toboso to have the vanquished your worship sends or will send coming to her and going down on their knees before her because maybe when they came she'd be hackling flax or threshing on the threshing floor and they'd be ashamed to see her and she'd laugh or resent the present i had before now told thee many times sancho said don quixote that thou art a mighty great chatterer and that with a blunt wit thou art always striving at sharpness but to show thee what a fool thou art and how rational i am i would have thee listen to a short story thou must know that a certain widow fair young independent and rich and above all free and easy fell in love with a sturdy strapping young lay brother his superior came to know of it and one day said to the worthy widow by way of brotherly remonstrance i am surprised senora and not without good reason that a woman of such high standing so fair and so rich as you are should have fallen in love with such a mean low stupid fellow as so-and-so when in this house there are so many masters graduates and divinity students from among whom you might choose as if they were a lot of pears saying this one i'll take that i won't take but she replied to him with great sprightliness and candor my dear sir you are very much mistaken and your ideas are very old-fashioned if you think that i have made a bad choice and so and so fool as he seems because for all i want with him he knows as much and more philosophy than aristotle in the same way sancho for all i want with dulcinea del toboso she is just as good as the most exalted princess on earth it is not to be supposed that all those poets who sang the praises of ladies under the fancy names they give them had any such mistresses thinkest thou that the amaryllises the phyllises the sylvias the dianas the galatias the philidas and all the rest of them that the books the ballads the barbers shops the theatres are full of were really and truly ladies of flesh and blood and mistresses of those that glorify and have glorified them nothing of the kind they only invent them for the most part to furnish a subject for their verses and that they may pass for lovers or for men who have some pretensions to be so and so it is enough for me to think and believe that the good aldonza lorenzo is fair and virtuous and as to her pedigree it is very little matter for no one will examine into it for the purpose of conferring any order upon her and i for my part reckon her the most exalted princess in the world for thou shouldst know sancho if thou dost not know that two things alone beyond all others are incentives to love and these are great beauty and a good name and these two things are to be found in dulcinea in the highest degree for in beauty no one equals her and in good name few approach her and to put the whole thing in a nutshell i persuade myself that all i say is as i say neither more nor less and i picture her in my imagination as i would have her to be as well in beauty as in condition helen approaches her not nor does lucretia come up to her nor any other of the famous women of times past greek barbarian or latin and let each say what he will for if in this i am taken to task by the ignorant i shall not be censured by the critical i say that your worship is entirely right said sancho and that i am an ass but i know not how the name of ass came into my mouth for a rope is not to be mentioned in the house of him who has been hanged but now for the letter and then god be with you i am off don quixote took out the notebook and retiring to one side 
very deliberately began to write the letter and when he had finished it he called to sancho saying he wished to read it to him so that he might commit it to memory in case of losing it on the road for with evil fortune like his anything might be apprehended to which sancho replied write it two or three times there in the book and give it to me and i will carry it very carefully because to expect me to keep it in my memory is all nonsense for i have such a bad one that i often forget my own name but for all that repeat it to me as i shall like to hear it for surely it will run as if it was in print listen said don quixote this is what it says don quixote's letter to dulcinea del toboso sovereign and exalted lady the pierced by the point of absence the wounded to the heart's core sends thee sweetest dulcinea del toboso the health that he himself enjoys not if thy beauty despises me if thy worth is not for me if thy scorn is my affliction though i be sufficiently long-suffering hardly shall i endure this anxiety which besides being oppressive is protracted my good squire sancho will relate to thee in full fair ingrate dear enemy the condition to which i am reduced on thy account if it be thy pleasure to give me relief i am thine if not do as may be pleasing to thee for by ending my life i shall satisfy thy cruelty and my desire thine till death the knight of the rueful countenance by the life of my father said sancho when he heard the letter it is the loftiest thing i ever heard body of me how your worship says everything as you like in it and how well you fit in the knight of the rueful countenance into the signature i declare your worship is indeed the very devil and there is nothing you don't know everything is needed for the calling i follow said don quixote now then said sancho let your worship put the order for the three ass colts on the other side and sign it very plainly that they may recognize it at first sight with all my heart said don quixote and as soon as he had written it he read it to this effect mistress niece by this first of ass colts please pay to sancho panza my squire three of the five i left at home in your charge said three ascolts to be paid and delivered for the same number received here in hand which upon this and upon his receipt shall be duly paid done in the heart of the sierra morena the twenty-seventh of august of this present year that will do said sancho now let your worship sign it there is no need to sign it said don quixote but merely to put my flourish which is the same as a signature and enough for three asses or even three hundred i can trust your worship returned sancho let me go and saddle rocinante and be ready to give me your blessing for i mean to go at once without seeing the fooleries your worship is going to do i'll say i saw you do so many that she will not want any more at any rate sancho said don quixote i should like and there is reason for it i should like thee i say to see me stripped to the skin and performing a dozen or two of insanities which i can get done in less than half an hour for having seen them with thine own eyes thou canst then safely swear to the rest that thou wouldest add and i promise thee thou wilt not tell of as many as i mean to perform for the love of god master mine said sancho let me not see your worship stripped for it will sorely grieve me and i shall not be able to keep from tears and my head aches so with all i shed last night for dapple that i am not fit to begin any fresh weeping but if it is your worship's pleasure that i should see some insanities do them in your clothes short ones and such as come readiest to hand for i myself want nothing of the sort and as i have said it will be a saving of time for my return which will be with the news your worship desires and deserves if not 
let the lady dulcinea look to it if she does not answer reasonably i swear as solemnly as i can that i will fetch a fair answer out of her stomach with kicks and cuffs for why should it be borne that a knight-errant as famous as your worship should go mad without rhyme or reason for a her ladyship had best not drive me to say it for by god i will speak out and have done with it though it stopped the sale i am pretty good at that she little knows me faith if she knew me she'd be afraid of me in faith sancho said don quixote to all appearance thou art not sounder in thy wits than i am i am not so mad answered sancho but i am more peppery but apart from all this what has your worship to eat until i come back will you sally out on the road like cardenio to force it from the shepherds let not that anxiety trouble thee replied don quixote for even if i had it i should not eat anything but the herbs and the fruits which this meadow and these trees may yield me the beauty of this business of mine lies in not eating and in performing other mortifications do you know what i am afraid of said sancho upon this that i shall not be able to find my way back to the spot where i am leaving you it is such an out-of-the-way place observe the landmarks well said don quixote for i will try not to go far from this neighborhood and i will even take care to mount the highest of these rocks to see if i can discover thee returning however not to miss me and lose thyself the best plan will be to cut some branches of the broom that is so abundant about here and as thou goest to lay them at intervals until thou hast come out upon the plain these will serve thee after the fashion of the clue in the labyrinth of theseus as marks and signs for finding me on thy return so i will said sancho panza and having cut some he asked his master's blessing and not without many tears on both sides took his leave of him and mounting rocinante of whom don quixote charged him earnestly to have as much care as of his own person he set out for the plain strewing at intervals the branches of broom as his master had recommended him and so he went his way though don quixote still entreated him to see him do were it only a couple of mad acts he had not gone a hundred paces however when he returned and said i must say senor your worship said quite right that in order to be able to swear without a weight on my conscience that i had seen you do mad things it would be well for me to see if it were only one though in your worship's remaining here i have seen a very great one did i not tell thee so said don quixote wait sancho and i will do them in the saying of a credo and pulling off his breeches in all haste he stripped himself to his skin and his shirt and then without more ado he cut a couple of gambados in the air and a couple of somersaults heels overhead making such a display that not to see it a second time sancho wheeled rocinante round and felt easy and satisfied in his mind that he could swear he had left his master mad and so we will leave him to follow his road until his return which was a quick one end of volume one part one chapter twenty five recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty six of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty six in which are continued the refinements wherewith don quixote played the part of a lover 
in the Sierra Morena. Returning to the proceedings of him of the rueful countenance, when he found himself alone, the history says that when Don Quixote had completed the performance of the somersaults or capers, naked from the waist down and clothed from the waist up, and saw that Sancho had gone off without waiting to see any more crazy feats, he climbed up to the top of a high rock, and there set himself to consider what he had several times before considered, without ever coming to any conclusion on the point, namely, whether it would be better and more to his purpose to imitate the outrageous madness of Roland, or the melancholy madness of Amadis. And communing with himself, he said, What wonder is it, if Roland was so good a knight and so valiant as everyone says he was, when after all he was enchanted, and nobody could kill him, save by thrusting a corking-pin into the sole of his foot, and he always wore shoes with seven iron soles. Though cunning devices did not avail him against Bernardo de Carpio, who knew all about them, and strangled him in his arms at Roncevales. But putting the question of his valour aside, let us come to his losing his wits, for certain it is that he did lose them in consequence of the proofs he discovered at the fountain and the intelligence the shepherd gave him of angelica having slept more than two afternoons with medoro a little curly-headed moor and page to agramante if he was persuaded that this was true and that his lady had wronged him it is no wonder that he should have gone mad but i how am i to imitate him in his madness unless i can imitate him in the cause of it for my dulcinea i will venture to swear never saw a moor as he is in his proper costume in her life and is this day as the mother that bore her, and I should plainly be doing her a wrong, if, fancying anything else, I were to go mad with the same kind of madness as Roland the Furious. On the other hand, I see that Amadis of Gaul, without losing his senses and without doing anything mad, acquired as a lover as much fame as the most famous, for according to his history, on finding himself rejected by his lady Oriana, who had ordered him not to appear in her presence until it should be her pleasure, all he did was to retire to the Peña Pobre in company with a hermit, and there he took his fill of weeping until heaven sent him relief in the midst of his great grief and need. And if this be true, as it is, why should I now take the trouble to strip stark naked or do mischief to these trees which have done me no harm? Or why am I to disturb the clear waters of these brooks which will give me to drink whenever I have a mind? long live the memory of amadis and let him be imitated so far as is possible by don quixote of la mancha of whom it will be said as was said of the other that if he did not achieve great things he died in attempting them and if i am not repulsed or rejected by my dulcinea it is enough for me as i have said to be absent from her and so now to business come to my memory ye deeds of amadis and show me how i am to begin to imitate you I know already that what he chiefly did was to pray and commend himself to God, but what am I to do for a rosary, for I have not got one? And then it occurred to him how he might make one, and that was by tearing a great strip off the tail of his shirt which hung down, and making eleven knots on it, one bigger than the rest, and this served him for a rosary all the time he was there, during which he repeated countless Ave Marias. But what distressed him greatly was not having another hermit there to confess him and receive consolation from. And so he solaced himself with pacing up and down the little meadow, and writing and carving on the bark of the trees and on the fine sand, a multitude of verses all in harmony with his sadness, and some in praise of Dulcinea. But when he was found there afterwards, the only ones completely legible that could be discovered 
were those that follow here ye on the mountain side that grow ye green things all trees shrubs and bushes are ye aweary of the woe that this poor aching bosom crushes if it disturb you and i owe some reparation it may be a defence for me to let you know don quixote's tears are on the flow and all for distant dulcinea del toboso the lealest lover time can show doomed for a lady love to languish among these solitudes doth go a prey to every kind of anguish why love should like a spiteful foe thus use him he hath no idea but hogsheads full this doth he know don quixote's tears are on the flow and all for distant dulcinea del toboso adventure seeking doth he go up ragged heights down rocky valleys but hill or dale or high or low love still pursues him to and fro and plies his cruel scourge ah me ah relentless fate and endless woe don quixote's tears are on the flow and all for distant dulcinea del toboso the addition of del toboso to dulcinea's name gave rise to no little laughter among those who found the above lines for they suspected don quixote must have fancied that unless he added del toboso when he introduced the name of dulcinea the verse would be unintelligible which was indeed the fact as he himself afterwards admitted he wrote many more but as has been said these three verses were all that could be plainly and perfectly deciphered in this way and in sighing and calling on the fauns and satyrs of the woods and the nymphs of the streams and echo moist and mournful to answer console and hear him as well as in looking for herbs to sustain him he passed his time until sancho's return and had that been delayed three weeks as it was three days the knight of the rueful countenance would have worn such an altered countenance that the mother that bore him would not have known him and here it will be well to leave him wrapped up in sighs and verses to relate how sancho panza fared on his mission as for him coming out upon the high road he made for el toboso and the next day reached the inn where the mishap of the blanket had befallen him as soon as he recognized it he felt as if he were once more flying through the air and he could not bring himself to enter it though it was an hour when he might well have done so for it was dinner-time and he longed to taste something hot as it had been all cold fare with him for many days past this craving drove him to draw near to the inn still undecided whether to go in or out and as he was hesitating there came out two persons who at once recognized him and said one to the other senor licentiate is not he on the horse there sancho panza who our adventurer's housekeeper told us went off with her master as esquire so it is said the licentiate and that is our friend don quixote's horse and if they knew him so well it was because they were the curate and the barber of his own village the same who had carried out the scrutiny and sentence upon the books and as soon as they recognized sancho panza and rocinante being anxious to hear of don quixote they approached and calling him by his name the curate said friend sancho panza where is your master sancho recognized them at once and determined to keep secret the place and circumstances where and under which he had left his master so he replied that his master was engaged in a certain quarter on a certain matter of great importance to him which he could not disclose for the eyes in his head nay nay said the barber if you don't tell us where he is sancho panza we will suspect as we suspect already that you have murdered and robbed him for here you go mounted on his horse in fact you must produce the master of the hack or else take the consequences 
there is no need of threats with me said sancho for i am not a man to rob or murder anybody let his own fate or god who made him kill each one my master is engaged very much to his taste doing penance in the midst of these mountains and then off-hand and without stopping he told them how he had left him what adventures had befallen him and how he was carrying a letter to the lady dulcinea del toboso the daughter of lorenzo corajuelo with whom he was over head and ears in love they were both amazed at what sancho panza told them for though they were aware of don quixote's madness and the nature of it each time they heard of it they were filled with fresh wonder they then asked sancho panza to show them the letter he was carrying to the lady dulcinea del toboso he said it was written in a notebook and that his master's directions were that he should have it copied on paper at the first village he came to on this the curate said if he showed it to him he himself would make a fair copy of it sancho put his hand into his bosom in search of the notebook but could not find it nor if he had been searching until now could he have found it for don quixote had kept it and had never given it to him nor had he himself thought of asking for it when sancho discovered he could not find the book his face grew deadly pale and in great haste he again felt his body all over and seeing plainly it was not to be found without more ado he seized his beard with both hands and plucked away half of it and then as quick as he could and without stopping gave himself half a dozen cuffs on the face and nose till they were bathed in blood seeing this the curate and the barber asked him what had happened him that he gave himself such rough treatment what should happen me replied sancho but to have lost from one hand to the other in a moment three ass colts each of them like a castle how is that said the barber i have lost the notebook said sancho that contained the letter to dulcinea and an order signed by my master in which he directed his niece to give me three ass colts out of four or five he had at home and he then told them about the loss of dapple the curate consoled him telling him that when his master was found he would get him to renew the order and make a fresh draft on paper as was usual and customary for those made in notebooks were never accepted or honoured sancho comforted himself with this and said if that were so the loss of dulcinea's letter did not trouble him much for he had it almost by heart and it could be taken down from him wherever and whenever they liked repeat it then sancho said the barber and we will write it down afterwards sancho panza stopped to scratch his head to bring back the letter to his memory and balanced himself now on one foot now the other one moment staring at the ground the next at the sky and after having half gnawed off the end of a finger and kept them in suspense waiting for him to begin he said after a long pause by god senor licentiate devil a thing can i recollect of the letter but it said at the beginning exalted and scrubbing lady it cannot have said scrubbing said the barber but superhuman or sovereign that is it said sancho then as well as i remember it went on the wounded and wanting of sleep and the pierced kisses your worship's hands ungrateful and very unrecognized fair one and it said something or other about health and sickness that he was sending her and from that it went tailing off until it ended with yours till death the knight of the rueful countenance it gave them no little amusement both of them to see what a good memory sancho had and they complimented him greatly upon it and begged him to repeat the letter a couple of times more so that they too might get it by heart to write it out by and by sancho repeated it three times and as he did uttered three thousand more absurdities 
then he told them more about his master but he never said a word about the blanketing that had befallen him in that inn into which he refused to enter he told them moreover how his lord if he brought him a favourable answer from the lady dulcinea del toboso was to put himself in the way of endeavouring to become an emperor or at least a monarch for it had been so settled between them and with his personal worth and the might of his arm it was an easy matter to come to be one and how unbecoming one his lord was to make a marriage for him for he would be a widower by that time as a matter of course and was to give him as a wife one of the damsels of the empress the heiress of some rich and grand state on the mainland having nothing to do with islands of any sort for he did not care for them now all this sancho delivered with so much composure wiping his nose from time to time and with so little common sense that his two hearers were again filled with wonder at the force of don quixote's madness that could run away with this poor man's reason they did not care to take the trouble of disabusing him of his error as they considered that since it did not in any way hurt his conscience it would be better to leave him in it and they would have all the more amusement in listening to his simplicities and so they bade him pray to god for his lord's health as it was a very likely and a very feasible thing for him in course of time to come to be an emperor as he said or at least an archbishop or some other dignitary of equal rank to which sancho made answer if fortune sirs should bring things about in such a way that my master should have a mind instead of being an emperor to be an archbishop i should like to know what archbishops errant commonly give their squires they commonly give them said the curate some simple benefice or cure or some place as sacristan which brings them a good fixed income not counting the altar fees which may be reckoned at as much more but for that said sancho the squire must be unmarried and must know at any rate how to help at mass and if that be so woe is me for i am married already and i don't know the first letter of the a b c what will become of me if my master takes a fancy to be an archbishop and not an emperor as is usual and customary with knights errant be not uneasy friend sancho said the barber for we will entreat your master and advise him even urging it upon him as a case of conscience to become an emperor and not an archbishop because it will be easier for him as he is more valiant than lettered so i have thought said sancho though i can tell you he is fit for anything what i mean to do for my part is to pray to our lord to place him where it may be best for him and where he may be able to bestow most favours upon me you speak like a man of sense said the curate and you will be acting like a good christian but what must now be done is to take steps to coax your master out of that useless penance you say he is performing and we had best turn into this inn to consider what plan to adopt and also to dine for it is now time sancho said they might go in but that he would wait there outside that he would tell them afterwards the reason why he was unwilling and why it did not suit him to enter it but he begged them to bring him out something to eat and to let it be hot and also to bring barley for rocinante they left him and went in and presently the barber brought him out something to eat by and by after they had between them carefully thought over what they should do to carry out their object the curate hit upon an idea very well adapted to humour don quixote and effect their purpose and his notion which he explained to the barber was that he himself should assume the disguise of a wandering damsel while the other should try as best he could to pass for a squire and that they should thus proceed to where don quixote was and he pretending to be an aggrieved and distressed damsel should ask a favour of him which as a valiant knight-errant he could not refuse to grant 
and the favor he meant to ask him was that he should accompany her whither she would conduct him in order to redress a wrong which a wicked knight had done her while at the same time she should entreat him not to require her to remove her mask nor ask her any question touching her circumstances until he had righted her with the wicked knight and he had no doubt that don quixote would comply with any request made in these terms and that in this way they might remove him and take him to his own village where they would endeavor to find out if his extraordinary madness admitted of any kind of remedy end of volume one part one chapter twenty six recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty seven of don quixote by miguel de cervantes Saavedra, translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty seven of how the curate and the barber proceeded with their scheme together with other matters worthy of record in this great history the curate's plan did not seem a bad one to the barber but on the contrary so good that they immediately set about putting it in execution they begged a petticoat and hood of the landlady leaving her in pledge a new cassock of the curate's and the barber made a beard out of a grey or red oxtail in which the landlord used to stick his comb the landlady asked them what they wanted these things for and the curate told her in a few words about the madness of don quixote and how this disguise was intended to get him away from the mountain where he then was the landlord and landlady immediately came to the conclusion that the madman was their guest the balsam man and master of the blanketed squire and they told the curate all that had passed between him and them not omitting what sancho had been so silent about finally the landlady dressed up the curate in a style that left nothing to be desired she put on him a cloth petticoat with black velvet stripes a palm broad all slashed and a bodice of green velvet set off by a binding of white satin which as well as the petticoat must have been made in the time of king wamba the curate would not let them cover him with the hood but put on his head a little quilted linen cap which he used for a nightcap and bound his forehead with a strip of black silk while with another he made a mask with which he concealed his beard and face very well he then put on his hat which was broad enough to serve him for an umbrella and enveloping himself in his cloak seated himself woman fashion on his mule while the barber mounted his with a beard down to the waist of mingled red and white for it was as has been said the tail of a red ox they took leave of all and of the good maritornes who sinner as she was promised to pray a rosary of prayers that god might grant them success in such an arduous and christian undertaking as that they had in hand but hardly had he sallied forth from the inn when it struck the curate that he was doing wrong in rigging himself out in that fashion as it was an indecorous thing for a priest to dress himself that way even though much might depend upon it and saying so to the barber he begged him to change dresses as it was fitter he should be the distressed damsel while he himself would play the squire's part which would be less derogatory to his dignity otherwise he was resolved to have nothing more to do with the matter and let the devil take don quixote just at this moment sancho came up 
and on seeing the pair in such a costume he was unable to restrain his laughter the barber however agreed to do as the curate wished and altering their plan the curate went on to instruct him how to play his part and what to say to don quixote to induce and compel him to come with them and give up his fancy for the place he had chosen for his idle penance the barber told him he could manage it properly without any instruction and as he did not care to dress himself up until they were near where don quixote was he folded up the garments and the curate adjusted his beard and they set out under the guidance of sancho panza who went along telling them of the encounter with the madman they met in the sierra saying nothing however about the finding of the valise and its contents for with all his simplicity the lad was a trifle covetous the next day they reached the place where sancho had laid the broom branches as marks to direct him to where he had left his master and recognizing it he told them that here was the entrance and that they would do well to dress themselves if that was required to deliver his master for they had already told him that going in this guise and dressing in this way were of the highest importance in order to rescue his master from the pernicious life he had adopted and they charged him strictly not to tell his master who they were or that he knew them and should he ask as ask he would if he had given the letter to dulcinea to say he had and that as she did not know how to read she had given an answer by word of mouth saying that she commanded him on pain of her displeasure to come and see her at once and it was a very important matter for himself because in this way and with what they meant to say to him they felt sure of bringing him back to a better mode of life and inducing him to take immediate steps to become an emperor or monarch for there was no fear of his becoming an archbishop all this sancho listened to and fixed it well in his memory and thanked them heartily for intending to recommend his master to be an emperor instead of an archbishop for he felt sure that in the way of bestowing rewards on their squires emperors could do more than archbishops errant he said too that it would be as well for him to go on before them to find him and give him his lady's answer for that perhaps might be enough to bring him away from the place without putting them to all this trouble they approved of what sancho proposed and resolved to wait for him until he brought back word of having found his master sancho pushed into the glens of the sierra leaving them in one through which there flowed a little gentle rivulet and where the rocks and trees afforded a cool and grateful shade it was an august day with all the heat of one and the heat in those parts is intense and the hour was three in the afternoon all which made the spot the more inviting and tempted them to wait there for sancho's return which they did they were reposing then in the shade when a voice unaccompanied by the notes of any instrument but sweet and pleasing in its tone reached their ears at which they were not a little astonished as the place did not seem to them likely quarters for one who sang so well for though it is often said that shepherds of rare voice are to be found in the woods and fields this is rather a flight of the poet's fancy than the truth and still more surprised were they when they perceived that what they heard sung were the verses not of rustic shepherds but of the polished wits of the city and so it proved for the verses they heard were these what makes my quest of happiness seem vain disdain what bids me to abandon hope of ease jealousies what holds my heart in anguish of suspense absence 
if that be so then for my grief where shall i turn to seek relief when hope on every side lies slain by absence jealousy's disdain what the prime cause of all my woe doth prove love what at my glory ever looks askance chance whence is permission to afflict me given heaven if that be so i but await the stroke of a resistless fate since working for my woe these three love chance and heaven in league i see what must i do to find a remedy die what is the lore for love when coy and strange change what if all fail will cure the heart of sadness madness if that be so it is but folly to seek a cure for melancholy ask where it lies the answer saith in change in madness or in death the hour the summer season the solitary place the voice and skill of the singer all contributed to the wonder and delight of the two listeners who remained still waiting to hear something more finding however that the silence continued some little time they resolved to go in search of the musician who sang with so fine a voice but just as they were about to do so they were checked by the same voice which once more fell upon their ears singing this sonnet when heavenward holy friendship thou didst go soaring to seek thy home beyond the sky and take thy seat among the saints on high it was thy will to leave on earth below thy semblance and upon it to bestow thy veil wherewith at times hypocrisy parading in thy shape deceives the eye and makes its vileness bright as virtue show friendship return to us or force the cheat that wears it now thy livery to restore by aid whereof sincerity is slain if thou wilt not unmask thy counterfeit this earth will be the prey of strife once more as when primeval discord held its reign the song ended with a deep sigh and again the listeners remained waiting attentively for the singer to resume but perceiving that the music had now turned to sobs and heart-rending moans they determined to find out who the unhappy being could be whose voice was as rare as his sighs were piteous and they had not proceeded far when on turning the corner of a rock they discovered a man of the same aspect and appearance as sancho had described to them when he told them the story of cardenio he showing no astonishment when he saw them stood still with his head bent down upon his breast like one in deep thought without raising his eyes to look at them after the first glance when they suddenly came upon him the curate who was aware of his misfortune and recognized him by the description being a man of good address approached him and in a few sensible words entreated and urged him to quit a life of such misery lest he should end it there which would be the greatest of all misfortunes cardenio was then in his right mind free from any attack of that madness which so frequently carried him away and seeing them dressed in a fashion so unusual among the frequenters of those wilds could not help showing some surprise especially when he heard them speak of his case as if it were a well-known matter for the curate's words gave him to understand as much so he replied to them thus i see plainly sirs whoever you may be that heaven whose care it is to succour the good and even the wicked very often here in this remote spot cut off from human intercourse sends me though i deserve it not those who seek to draw me away from this to some better retreat showing me by many and forcible arguments how unreasonably i act in leading the life i do 
but as they know not what i know that if i escape from this evil i shall fall into another still greater perhaps they will set me down as a weak-minded man or what is worse one devoid of reason nor would it be any wonder for i myself can perceive that the effect of the recollections of my misfortunes is so great and works so powerfully to my ruin that in spite of myself i become at times like a stone without feeling or consciousness and i come to feel the truth of it when they tell me and show me proofs of the things i have done when the terrible fit overmasters me and all i can do is bewail my lot in vain and idly curse my destiny and plead for my madness by telling how it was caused to any that care to hear it for no reasonable beings on learning the cause will wonder at the effects and if they cannot help me at least they will not blame me and the repugnance they feel at my wild ways will turn into pity for my woes if it be sirs that you are here with the same design as others have come with before you proceed with your wise arguments i entreat you to hear the story of my countless misfortunes for perhaps when you have heard it you will spare yourselves the trouble you would take in offering consolation to grief that is beyond the reach of it as they both of them desired nothing more than to hear from his own lips the cause of his suffering they entreated him to tell it promising not to do anything for his relief or comfort that he did not wish and thereupon the unhappy gentleman began his sad story in nearly the same words and manner in which he had related it to don quixote and the goatherd a few days before when through master elisabad and don quixote's scrupulous observance of what was due to chivalry the tale was left unfinished as this history has already recorded but now fortunately the mad fit kept off and allowed him to tell it to the end and so coming to the incident of the note which don fernando had found in the volume of amadis of gaul cardenio said that he remembered it perfectly and that it was in these words lucinda to cardenio every day i discover merits in you that oblige and compel me to hold you in higher estimation so if you desire to relieve me of this obligation without cost to my honour you may easily do so i have a father who knows you and loves me dearly who without putting any constraint on my inclination will grant what will be reasonable for you to have if it be that you value me as you say and as i believe you do by this letter i was induced as i told you to demand lucinda for my wife and it was through it that lucinda came to be regarded by don fernando as one of the most discreet and prudent women of the day and this letter it was that suggested his design of ruining me before mine could be carried into effect i told don fernando that all lucinda's father was waiting for was that mine should ask her of him which i did not dare to suggest to him fearing that he would not consent to do so not because he did not know perfectly well the rank goodness virtue and beauty of lucinda and that she had qualities that would do honour to any family in spain but because i was aware that he did not wish me to marry so soon before seeing what the duke ricardo would do for me in short i told him i did not venture to mention it to my father as well on account of that difficulty as of many others that discouraged me though i knew not well what they were only that it seemed to me that what i desired was never to come to pass to all this don fernando answered that he would take it upon himself to speak to my father and persuade him to speak to lucinda's father oh ambitious marius 
o cruel catiline o wicked scylla o perfidious ganelon o treacherous velido o vindictive julian o covetous judas traitor cruel vindictive and perfidious wherein had this poor wretch failed in his fidelity who with such frankness showed thee the secrets and the joys of his heart what offence did i commit what words did i utter or what counsels did i give that had not the furtherance of thy honour and welfare for their aim but woe is me wherefore do i complain for sure it is that when misfortunes spring from the stars descending from on high they fall upon us with such fury and violence that no power on earth can check their course nor human device stay their coming who could have thought that don fernando a high-born gentleman intelligent bound to me by gratitude for my services one that could win the object of his love wherever he might set his affections could have become so morbid as they say as to rob me of my one ewe lamb that was not even yet in my possession but laying aside these useless and unavailing reflections let us take up the broken thread of my unhappy story to proceed then don fernando finding my presence an obstacle to the execution of his treacherous and wicked design resolved to send me to his elder brother under the pretext of asking money from him to pay for six horses which purposely and with the sole object of sending me away that he might the better carry out his infernal scheme he had purchased the very day he offered to speak to my father and the price of which he now desired me to fetch could i have anticipated this treachery could i by any chance have suspected it nay so far from that i offered with the greatest pleasure to go at once in my satisfaction at the good bargain that had been made that night i spoke with lucinda and told her what had been agreed upon with don fernando and how i had strong hopes of our fair and reasonable wishes being realized she as unsuspicious as i was of the treachery of don fernando bade me try to return speedily as she believed the fulfilment of our desires would be delayed only so long as my father put off speaking to hers i know not why it was that on saying this to me her eyes filled with tears and there came a lump in her throat that prevented her from uttering a word of many more that it seemed to me she was striving to say to me i was astonished at this unusual turn which i never before observed in her for we always converse whenever good fortune and my ingenuity gave us the chance with the greatest gaiety and cheerfulness without mingling tears sighs jealousies doubts or fears with our words it was all on my part a eulogy of my good fortune that heaven should have given her to me for my mistress i glorified her beauty i extolled her worth and her understanding and she paid me back by praising in me what in her love for me she thought worthy of praise and besides we had a hundred thousand trifles and doings of our neighbours and acquaintances to talk about and the utmost extent of my boldness was to take almost by force one of her fair white hands and carry it to my lips as well as the closeness of the low grating that separated us allowed me but the night before the unhappy day of my departure she wept she moaned she sighed and she withdrew leaving me filled with perplexity and amazement overwhelmed at the sight of such strange and affecting signs of grief and sorrow in lucinda but not to dash my hopes i ascribed it all to the depth of her love for me and the pain that separation gives those who love tenderly 
at last i took my departure sad and dejected my heart filled with fancies and suspicions but not knowing well what it was i suspected or fancied plain omens pointing to the sad event and misfortune that was awaiting me i reached the place whither i had been sent gave the letter to don fernando's brother and was kindly received but not promptly dismissed for he desired me to wait very much against my will eight days in some place where the duke his father was not likely to see me as his brother wrote that the money was to be sent without his knowledge all of which was a scheme of the treacherous don fernando for his brother had no want of money to enable him to dispatch me at once the command was one that exposed me to the temptation of disobeying it as it seemed to me impossible to endure life for so many days separated from lucinda especially after leaving her in the sorrowful mood i have described to you nevertheless as a dutiful servant i obeyed though i felt it would be at the cost of my well-being but four days later there came a man in quest of me with a letter which he gave me and which by the address i perceived to be from lucinda as the writing was hers i opened it with fear and trepidation persuaded that it must be something serious that had impelled her to write to me when at a distance as she seldom did so when i was nearer before reading it i asked the man who it was that had given it to him and how long he had been upon the road he told me that as he happened to be passing through one of the streets of the city at the hour of noon a very beautiful lady called to him from a window and with tears in her eyes said to him hurriedly brother if you are as you seem to be a christian for the love of god i entreat you to have this letter dispatched without a moment's delay to the person named in the address all which is well known and by this you will render a great service to our lord and that you may be at no inconvenience in doing so take what is in this handkerchief and said he with this she threw me a handkerchief out of the window in which were tied up a hundred reals and this gold ring which i bring here together with the letter i have given you and then without waiting for any answer she left the window though not before she saw me take the letter and the handkerchief and i had by signs let her know that i would do as she bade me and so seeing myself so well paid for the trouble i would have in bringing it to you and knowing by the address that it was to you it was sent for senor i know you very well and also unable to resist that beautiful lady's tears i resolved to trust no one else but to come myself and give it to you and in sixteen hours from the time when it was given me i have made the journey which as you know is eighteen leagues all the while the good-natured improvised courier was telling me this i hung upon his words my legs trembling under me so that i could scarcely stand however i opened the letter and read these words the promise don fernando gave you to urge your father to speak to mine he has fulfilled much more to his own satisfaction than to your advantage i have to tell you senor that he has demanded me for a wife and my father led away by what he considers don fernando's superiority over you has favored his suit so cordially that in two days before the betrothal is to take place with such secrecy and so privately the only witnesses are to be the heavens above and a few of the household picture to yourself the state i am in judge if it be urgent for you to come the issue of the affair will show you whether i love you or not god grant this may come to your hand before mine shall be forced to link itself with his who keeps so ill the faith that he has pledged such in brief were the words of the letter 
words that made me set out at once without waiting any longer for reply or money for i now saw clearly that it was not the purchase of horses but of his own pleasure that had made don fernando send me to his brother the exasperation i felt against don fernando joined with the fear of losing the prize i had won by so many years of love and devotion lent me wings so that almost flying i reached home the same day unobserved and left the mule on which i had come at the house of the worthy man who had brought me the letter and fortune was pleased to be for once so kind that i found lucinda at the grating that was the witness of our loves she recognized me at once and i her but not as she ought to have recognized me or i her but who is there in the world that can boast of having fathomed or understood the wavering mind and unstable nature of a woman of a truth no one to proceed as soon as lucinda saw me she said cardenio i am in my bridal dress and the treacherous don fernando and my covetous father are waiting for me in the hall with the other witnesses who shall be the witnesses of my death before they witness my betrothal be not distressed my friend but contrive to be present at this sacrifice and if that cannot be prevented by any words i have a dagger concealed which will prevent more deliberate violence putting an end to my life and giving thee a first proof of the love i have borne and bear thee i replied to her distractedly and hastily in fear lest i should not have time to reply may thy words be verified by thy deeds lady and if thou hast a dagger to save thy honour i have a sword to defend thee or kill myself if fortune be against me i think she could not have heard all these words for i perceived that they called her away in haste as the bridegroom was waiting now the night of my sorrow set in the sun of my happiness went down i felt my eyes bereft of sight my mind of reason i could not enter the house nor was i capable of any movement but reflecting how important it was that i should be present at what might take place on the occasion i nerved myself as best i could and went in for i well knew all the entrances and outlets and besides with the confusion that in secret pervaded the house no one perceived me so without being seen i found an opportunity of placing myself in the recess formed by a window of the hall itself and concealed by the ends and borders of two tapestries from between which i could without being seen see all that took place in the room who could describe the agitation of heart i suffered as i stood there the thoughts that came to me the reflections that passed through my mind there were such as cannot be nor were it well they should be told suffice it to say that the bridegroom entered the hall in his usual dress without ornament of any kind as groomsman he had with him a cousin of lucinda's and except the servants of the house there was no one else in the chamber soon afterwards lucinda came out from an antechamber attended by her mother and two of her damsels arrayed and adorned as became her rank and beauty and in full festival and ceremonial attire my anxiety and distraction did not allow me to observe or notice particularly what she wore i could only perceive the colours which were crimson and white and the glitter of the gems and jewels on her head-dress and apparel surpassed by the rare beauty of her lovely auburn hair that vying with the precious stones and the light of the four torches that stood in the hall shone with a brighter gleam than all o oh, memory mortal foe of my peace 
why bring before me now the incomparable beauty of that adored enemy of mine were it not better cruel memory to remind me and recall what she then did that stirred by a wrong so glaring i may seek if not vengeance now at least to rid myself of life be not weary sirs of listening to these digressions my sorrow is not one of those that can or should be told tersely and briefly for to me each incident seems to call for many words to this the curate replied that not only were they not weary of listening to him but that the details he mentioned interested them greatly being of a kind by no means to be omitted and deserving of the same attention as the main story to proceed then continued cardenio all being assembled in the hall the priest of the parish came in and as he took the pair by the hand to perform the requisite ceremony at the words will you senora lucinda take senor don fernando here present for your lawful husband as the holy mother church ordains i thrust my head and neck out from between the tapestries and with eager ears and throbbing heart set myself to listen to lucinda's answer awaiting in her reply the sentence of death or the grant of life oh that i had but dared at that moment to rush forward crying aloud lucinda lucinda have a care what thou dost remember what thou owest me bethink thee thou art mine and canst not be another's reflect that thy utterance of yes and the end of my life will come at the same instant o oh, treacherous don fernando robber of my glory death of my life what wouldst thou what seekest thou remember that thou canst not as a christian attain the object of thy wishes for lucinda is my bride and i am her husband fool that i am now that i am far away and out of danger i say i should have done what i did not do now that i have allowed my precious treasure to be robbed from me i curse the robber on whom i might have taken vengeance had i as much heart for it as i have for bewailing my fate in short as i was then a coward and a fool little wonder is it if i am now dying shame-stricken remorseful and mad the priest stood waiting for the answer of lucinda who for a long time withheld it and just as i thought she was taking out the dagger to save her honour or struggling for words to make some declaration of the truth on my behalf i heard her say in a faint and feeble voice i will don fernando said the same and giving her the ring they stood linked by a knot that could never be loosed the bridegroom then approached to embrace his bride and she pressing her hand upon her heart fell fainting in her mother's arms it only remains now for me to tell you the state i was in when in that consent that i heard i saw all my hopes mocked the words and promises of lucinda proved falsehoods and the recovery of the prize i had that instant lost rendered impossible forever i stood stupefied wholly abandoned it seemed by heaven declared the enemy of the earth that bore me the air refusing me breath for my sighs the water moisture for my tears it was only the fire that gathered strength so that my whole frame glowed with rage and jealousy they were all thrown into confusion by lucinda's fainting and as her mother was unlacing her to give her air a sealed paper was discovered in her bosom which don fernando seized at once and began to read by the light of one of the torches as soon as he had read it he seated himself in a chair leaning his cheek on his hand in the attitude of one in deep thought 
without taking any part in the efforts that were being made to recover his bride from her fainting fit seeing all the household in confusion i ventured to come out regardless whether i were seen or not and determined if i were to do some frenzied deed that would prove to all the world the righteous indignation of my breast in the punishment of the treacherous don fernando and even in that of the fickle fainting traitress but my fate doubtless reserving me for greater sorrows if such there be so ordered it that just then i had enough and to spare of that reason which has since been wanting to me and so without seeking to take vengeance on my greatest enemies which might have been easily taken as all thought of me was so far from their minds i resolved to take it upon myself and on myself to inflict the pain they deserved perhaps with even greater severity than i should have dealt out to them had i then slain them for sudden pain is soon over but that which is protracted by tortures is ever slaying without ending life in a word i quitted the house and reached that of the man with whom i had left my mule i made him saddle it for me mounted without bidding him farewell and rode out of the city like another lot not daring to turn my head to look back upon it and when i found myself alone in the open country screened by the darkness of the night and tempted by the stillness to give vent to my grief without apprehension or fear of being heard or seen then i broke silence and lifted up my voice in maledictions upon lucinda and don fernando as if i could thus avenge the wrong they had done me i called her cruel ungrateful false thankless but above all covetous since the wealth of my enemy had blinded the eyes of her affection and turned it from me to transfer it to one to whom fortune had been more generous and liberal and yet in the midst of this outburst of execration and upbraiding i found excuses for her saying it was no wonder that a young girl in the seclusion of her parents house trained and schooled to obey them always should have been ready to yield to their wishes when they offered her for a husband a gentleman of such distinction wealth and noble birth that if she had refused to accept him she would have been thought out of her senses or to have set her affection elsewhere a suspicion injurious to her fair name and fame but then again i said had she declared i was her husband they would have seen that in choosing me she had not chosen so ill but that they might excuse her for before don fernando had made his offer they themselves could not have desired if their desires had been ruled by reason a more eligible husband for their daughter than i was and she before taking the last fatal step of giving her hand might easily have said that i had already given her mine for i should have come forward to support any assertion of hers to that effect in short i came to the conclusion that feeble love little reflection great ambition and a craving for rank had made her forget the words with which she had deceived me encouraged and supported by my firm hopes and honourable passion thus soliloquising and agitated i journeyed onward for the remainder of the night and by daybreak i reached one of the passes of these mountains among which i wandered for three days more without taking any path or road until i came to some meadows lying on i know not which side of the mountain and there i inquired of some herdsman in what direction the most rugged part of the range lay they told me that it was in this quarter and i at once directed my course hither intending to end my life here 
but as i was making my way among these crags my mule dropped dead through fatigue and hunger or as i think more likely in order to have done with such a worthless burden as it bore in me i was left on foot worn out famished without any one to help me or any thought of seeking help and so thus i lay stretched on the ground how long i know not after which i rose up free from hunger and found beside me some goatherds who no doubt were the persons who had relieved me in my need for they told me how they had found me and how i had been uttering ravings that showed plainly i had lost my reason and since then i am conscious that i am not always in full possession of it but at times so deranged and crazed that i do a thousand mad things tearing my clothes crying aloud in these solitudes cursing my fate and idly calling on the dear name of her who is my enemy and only seeking to end my life in lamentation and when i recover my senses i find myself so exhausted and weary that i can scarcely move most commonly my dwelling is the hollow of a cork tree large enough to shelter this miserable body the herdsmen and goatherds who frequent these mountains moved by compassion furnish me with food leaving it by the wayside or on the rocks where they think i may perhaps pass and find it and so even though i may be then out of my senses the wants of nature teach me what is required to sustain me and make me crave it and eager to take it at other times so they tell me when they find me in a rational mood i sally out upon the road and though they would gladly give it me i snatch food by force from the shepherds bringing it from the village to their huts thus do i pass the wretched life that remains to me until it be heaven's will to bring it to a close or so to order my memory that i no longer recollect the beauty or treachery of lucinda or the wrong done me by don fernando for if it will do this without depriving me of life i will turn my thoughts into some better channel if not i can only implore it to have full mercy on my soul for in myself i feel no power or strength to release my body from this strait in which i have of my own accord chosen to place it such sirs is the dismal story of my misfortune say if it be one that can be told with less emotion than you have seen in me and do not trouble yourselves with urging or pressing upon me what reason suggests as likely to serve for my relief for it will avail me as much as the medicine prescribed by a wise physician avails the sick man who will not take it i have no wish for health without lucinda and since it is her pleasure to be another's when she is or should be mine let it be mine to be a prey to misery when i might have enjoyed happiness she by her fickleness strove to make my ruin irretrievable i will strive to gratify her wishes by seeking destruction and it will show generations to come that i alone was deprived of that of which all others in misfortune have a superabundance for to them the impossibility of being consoled is itself a consolation while to me it is the cause of greater sorrows and sufferings for i think that even in death there will not be an end of them here cardenio brought to a close his long discourse and story as full of misfortune as it was of love but just as the curate was going to address some words of comfort to him he was stopped by a voice that reached his ear saying in melancholy tones what will be told in the fourth part of this narrative for at this point the sage and sagacious historian sid hamet benengeli brought the third to a conclusion end of volume one part one chapter twenty seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine
volume one part one chapter twenty eight of the ingenious gentleman don quixote of la mancha by miguel de cervantes saavedra translated by john ormsby eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume one part one chapter twenty eight which treats of the strange and delightful adventure that befell the curate and the barber in the same sierra happy and fortunate were the times when that most daring knight don quixote of la mancha was sent into the world for by reason of his having formed a resolution so honourable as that of seeking to revive and restore to the world the long-lost and almost defunct order of knight-errantry we now enjoy in this age of ours so poor in light entertainment not only the charm of his voracious history but also of the tales and episodes contained in it which are in a measure no less pleasing ingenious and truthful than the history itself which resuming its thread carded spun and wound relates that just as the curate was going to offer consolation to cardenio he was interrupted by a voice that fell upon his ear saying in plaintive tones o oh god is it possible i have found a place that may serve as a secret grave for the weary load of this body that i support so unwillingly if the solitude these mountains promise deceive me not it is so ah woe is me how much more grateful to my mind will be the society of these rocks and breaks that permit me to complain of my misfortune to heaven than that of any human being for there is none on earth to look to for counsel in doubt comfort in sorrow or relief in distress all this was heard distinctly by the curate and those with him and as it seemed to them to be uttered close by as indeed it was they got up to look for the speaker and before they had gone twenty paces they discovered behind a rock seated at the foot of an ash-tree a youth in the dress of a peasant whose face they were unable at the moment to see as he was leaning forward bathing his feet in the brook that flowed past they approached so silently that he did not perceive them being fully occupied in bathing his feet which were so fair that they looked like two pieces of shining crystal embedded among the stones of the brook the whiteness and beauty of these feet struck them with surprise for they did not seem to have been made to crush clods or to follow the plough and the oxen as their owner's dress suggested and so finding they had not been noticed the curate who was in front made a sign to the other two to conceal themselves behind some fragments of rock that lay there which they did observing closely what the youth was about he had on a loose double-skirted grey jacket bound tight to his body with a white cloth he wore besides breeches and gaiters of grey cloth and on his head a grey montera and he had the gaiters turned up as far as the middle of the leg which verily seemed to be of pure alabaster as soon as he had done bathing his beautiful feet he wiped them with a towel he took from under the montera on taking off which he raised his face and those who were watching him had an opportunity of seeing a beauty so exquisite that cardenio said to the curate in a whisper as this is not lucinda it is no human creature but a divine being the youth then took off the montera and shaking his head from side to side there broke loose and spread out a mass of hair that the beams of the sun might have envied 
by this they knew that what had seemed a peasant was a lovely woman nay the most beautiful the eyes of two of them had ever beheld or even cardenio's if they had not seen and known lucinda for he afterwards declared that only the beauty of lucinda could compare with this the long auburn tresses not only covered her shoulders but such was their length and abundance concealed her all round beneath their masses so that except the feet nothing of her form was visible she now used her hands as a comb and if her feet had seemed like bits of crystal in the water her hands looked like pieces of driven snow among her locks all which increased not only the admiration of the three beholders but their anxiety to learn who she was with this object they resolved to show themselves and at the stir they made in getting upon their feet the fair damsel raised her head and parting her hair from before her eyes with both hands she looked to see who had made the noise and the instant she perceived them she started to her feet and without waiting to put on her shoes or gather up her hair hastily snatched up a bundle as though of clothes that she had beside her and scared and alarmed endeavoured to take flight but before she had gone six paces she fell to the ground her delicate feet being unable to bear the roughness of the stones seeing which the three hastened towards her and the curate addressing her first said stay senora whoever you may be for those whom you see here only desire to be of service to you you have no need to attempt a flight so heedless for neither can your feet bear it nor can we allow it taken by surprise and bewildered she made no reply to these words they however came towards her and the curate taking her hand went on to say what your dress would hide senora is made known to us by your hair a clear proof that it can be no trifling cause that has disguised your beauty in a garb so unworthy of it and sent it into solitudes like these where we have had the good fortune to find you if not to relieve your distress at least to offer you comfort for no distress as long as life lasts can be so oppressive or reach such a height as to make the sufferer refuse to listen to comfort offered with good intention and so senora or senor or whatever you prefer to be dismiss the fears that our appearance has caused you and make us acquainted with your good or evil fortunes for from all of us together or from each one of us you will receive sympathy in your trouble while the curate was speaking the disguised damsel stood as if spellbound looking at them without opening her lips or uttering a word just like a village rustic to whom something strange that he has never seen before has been suddenly shown but on the curate addressing some further words to the same effect to her sighing deeply she broke silence and said since the solitude of these mountains has been unable to conceal me and the escape of my dishevelled tresses will not allow my tongue to deal in falsehoods it would be idle for me now to make any further pretense of what if you were to believe me you would believe more out of courtesy than for any other reason this being so i say i thank you sirs for the offer you made me which places me under the obligation of complying with the request you have made of me though i fear the account i shall give you of my misfortunes will excite in you as much concern as compassion for you will be unable to suggest anything to remedy them or any consolation to alleviate them however that my honour may not be left a matter of doubt in your minds now that you have discovered me to be a woman and see that i am young alone and in this dress things that taken together or separately would be enough to destroy any good name 
i feel bound to tell what i would willingly keep secret if i could all this she who was now seen to be a lovely woman delivered without any hesitation with so much ease and in so sweet a voice that they were not less charmed by her intelligence than by her beauty and as they again repeated their offers and entreaties to her to fulfil her promise she without further pressing first modestly covering her feet and gathering up her hair seated herself on a stone with the three placed around her and after an effort to restrain some tears that came to her eyes in a clear and steady voice began her story thus in this andalusia there is a town from which a duke takes a title which makes him one of those that are called grandes of spain this nobleman has two sons the elder heir to his dignity and apparently to his good qualities the younger heir to i know not what unless it be the treachery of velido and the falsehood of ganelon my parents are this lord's vassals lowly in origin but so wealthy that if birth had conferred as much on them as fortune they would have had nothing left to desire nor should i have had reason to fear trouble like that in which i find myself now for it may be that my ill fortune came of theirs in not having been nobly born it is true they are not so low that they have any reason to be ashamed of their condition but neither are they so high as to remove from my mind the impression that my mishap comes of their humble birth they are in short peasants plain homely people without any taint of disreputable blood and as the saying goes old rusty christians but so rich that by their wealth and free-handed way of life they are coming by degrees to be considered gentlefolk by birth and even by position though the wealth and nobility they thought most of was having me for their daughter and as they have no other child to make their heir and are affectionate parents i was one of the most indulged daughters that ever parents indulged i was the mirror in which they beheld themselves the staff of their old age and the object in which with submission to heaven all their wishes centred and mine were in accordance with theirs for i knew their worth and as i was mistress of their hearts so was i also of their possessions through me they engaged or dismissed their servants through my hands passed the accounts and returns of what was sown and reaped the oil mills the wine presses the count of the flocks and herds the beehives all in short that a rich farmer like my father has or can have i had under my care and i acted as steward and mistress with an assiduity on my part and satisfaction on theirs that i cannot well describe to you the leisure hours left to me after i had given the requisite orders to the shepherds headmen and laborers i passed in such employments as are not only allowable but necessary for young girls those that the needle embroidery cushion and spinning wheel usually afford and if to refresh my mind i quitted them for a while i found recreation in reading some devotional book or playing the harp for experience taught me that music soothes the troubled mind and relieves weariness of spirit such was the life i led in my parents house and if i have depicted it thus minutely it is not out of ostentation or to let you know that i am rich but that you may see how without any fault of mine i have fallen from the happy condition i have described to the misery i am in at present the truth is that while i was leading this busy life in a retirement that might compare with that of a monastery and unseen as i thought by any except the servants of the house 
for when i went to mass it was so early in the morning and i was so closely attended by my mother and the women of the household and so thickly veiled and so shy that my eyes scarcely saw more ground than i trod on in spite of all this the eyes of love or idleness more properly speaking that the lynxes cannot rival discovered me with the help of the assiduity of don fernando for that is the name of the younger son of the duke i told you of the moment the speaker mentioned the name of don fernando cardenio changed colour and broke into a sweat with such signs of emotion that the curate and the barber who observed it feared that one of the mad fits which they heard attacked him sometimes was coming upon him but cardenio showed no further agitation and remained quiet regarding the peasant girl with fixed attention for he began to suspect who she was she however without noticing the excitement of cardenio continuing her story went on to say and they had hardly discovered me when as he owned afterwards he was smitten with a violent love for me as the manner in which it displayed itself plainly showed but to shorten the long recital of my woes i will pass over in silence all the artifices employed by don fernando for declaring his passion for me he bribed all the household he gave and offered gifts and presents to my parents every day was like a holiday or a merry-making in our street by night no one could sleep for the music the love-letters that used to come to my hand no one knew how were innumerable full of tender pleadings and pledges containing more promises and oaths than there were letters in them all which not only did not soften me but hardened my heart against him as if he had been my mortal enemy and as if everything he did to make me yield were done with the opposite intention not that the high-bred bearing of don fernando was disagreeable to me or that i found his importunities wearisome for it gave me a certain sort of satisfaction to find myself so sought and prized by a gentleman of such distinction and i was not displeased at seeing my praises in his letters for however ugly we women may be it seems to me it always pleases us to hear ourselves called beautiful but that my own sense of right was opposed to all this as well as the repeated advice of my parents who now very plainly perceived don fernando's purpose for he cared very little if all the world knew it they told me they trusted and confided their honour and good name to my virtue and rectitude alone and bade me consider the disparity between don fernando and myself from which i might conclude that his intentions whatever he might say to the contrary had for their aim his own pleasure rather than my advantage and if i were at all desirous of opposing an obstacle to his unreasonable suit they were ready they said to marry me at once to any one i preferred either among the leading people of our own town or of any of those in the neighbourhood for with their wealth and my good name a match might be looked for in any quarter this offer and their sound advice strengthened my resolution and i never gave don fernando a word in reply that could hold out to him any hope of success however remote all this caution of mine which he must have taken for coyness had apparently the effect of increasing his wanton appetite for that is the name i give to his passion for me had it been what he declared it to be you would not know of it now because there would have been no occasion to tell you of it at length he learned that my parents were contemplating marriage for me in order to put an end to his hopes of obtaining possession of me 
or at least to secure additional protectors to watch over me and this intelligence or suspicion made him act as you shall hear one night as i was in my chamber with no other companion than a damsel who waited on me with the doors carefully locked lest my honour should be imperilled through any carelessness i know not nor can i conceive how it happened but with all this seclusion and these precautions and in the solitude and silence of my retirement i found him standing before me a vision that so astounded me that it deprived my eyes of sight and my tongue of speech i had no power to utter a cry nor i think did he give me time to utter one as he immediately approached me and taking me in his arms for overwhelmed as i was i was powerless i say to help myself he began to make such professions to me that i knew not how falsehood could have had the power of dressing them up to seem so like truth and the traitor contrived that his tears should vouch for his words and his sighs for his sincerity i a poor young creature the only daughter of the house ill-versed in such things began i know not how to think all these lying protestations true though without being moved by his sighs and tears to anything more than pure compassion and so as the first feeling of bewilderment passed away and i began in some degree to recover myself i said to him with more courage than i thought i could have possessed if as i am now in your arms senor i were in the claws of a fierce lion and my deliverance could be procured by doing or saying anything to the prejudice of my honour it would no more be in my power to do it or say it than it would be possible that what was should not have been so then if you hold my body clasped in your arms i hold my soul secured by virtuous intentions very different from yours as you will see if you attempt to carry them into effect by force i am your vassal but i am not your slave your nobility neither has nor should have any right to dishonour or degrade my humble birth and low-born peasant as i am i have my self-respect as much as you a lord and gentleman with me your violence will be to no purpose your wealth will have no weight your words will have no power to deceive me nor your sighs or tears to soften me were i to see any of the things i speak of in him whom my parents gave me as a husband his will should be mine and mine should be bounded by his and my honour being preserved even though my inclinations were not gratified i would willingly yield him what you senor would now obtain by force and this i say lest you should suppose that any but my lawful husband shall ever win anything of me if that said this disloyal gentleman be the only scruple you feel fairest dorothea for that is the name of this unhappy being see here i give you my hand to be yours and let heaven from which nothing is hid and this image of our lady you have here be witnesses of this pledge when cardenio heard her say she was called dorothea he showed fresh agitation and felt convinced of the truth of his former suspicion but he was unwilling to interrupt the story and wished to hear the end of what he already all but knew so he merely said what is dorothea your name senora i have heard of another of the same name who can perhaps match your misfortunes but proceed by and by i may tell you something that will astonish you as much as it will excite your compassion dorothea was struck by cardenio's words as well as by his strange and miserable attire and begged him if he knew anything concerning her to tell it to her at once 
for if fortune had left her any blessing it was courage to bear whatever calamity might fall upon her as she felt sure in her own mind that none could reach her capable of increasing in any degree what she endured already i would not let the occasion pass senora replied cardenio of telling you what i think if what i suspect were the truth but so far there has been no opportunity nor is it of any importance to you to know it be it as it may replied dorothea to go on with my story don fernando taking an image that stood in the chamber placed it as a witness of our betrothal and with the most binding words and extravagant oaths gave me his promise to become my husband though before he had made an end of pledging himself i bade him consider well what he was doing and think of the anger his father would feel at seeing him married to a peasant girl and one of his vassals i told him not to let my beauty such as it was blind him for that was not enough to furnish an excuse for his transgression and if in the love he bore me he wished to do me any kindness it would be to leave my lot to follow its course at the level my condition required for marriages so unequal never brought happiness nor did they continue long to afford the enjoyment they began with all this that i have now repeated i said to him and much more which i cannot recollect but it had no effect in inducing him to trouble himself about difficulties when he is striking the bargain at the same time i argued the matter briefly in my own mind saying to myself i shall not be the first who has risen through marriage from a lowly to a lofty station nor will don fernando be the first whom beauty or as is more likely a blind attachment has led to mate himself below his rank then since i am introducing no new usage or practice i may as well avail myself of the honor that chance offers me for even though his inclination for me should not outlast the attainment of his wishes i shall be after all his wife before god and if i strive to repel him by scorn i can see that fair means falling he is in a mood to use force and i shall be left dishonored and without any means of proving my innocence to those who cannot know how innocently i have come to be in this position for what arguments would persuade my parents and others that this gentleman entered my chamber without my consent all these questions and answers passed through my mind in a moment but the oaths of don fernando the witness he appealed to the tears he shed and lastly the charms of his person and his high-bred grace which accompanied by such signs of genuine love might well have conquered a heart even more free and coy than mine these were the things that more than all began to influence me and lead me unawares to my ruin i called my waiting-maid to me that there might be a witness on earth besides those in heaven and again don fernando renewed and repeated his oaths invoked as witnesses fresh saints in addition to the former ones called down upon himself a thousand curses hereafter should he fail to keep his promise shed more tears redoubled his sighs and pressed me closer in his arms from which he had never allowed me to escape and so i was left by my maid and ceased to be one and he became a traitor and a perjured man the day which followed the night of my misfortune did not come so quickly i imagine as don fernando wished for when desire had attained its object the greatest pleasure is to fly from the scene of pleasure i say so because don fernando made all haste to leave me and by the adroitness of my maid who was indeed the one who had admitted him 
gain the street before daybreak but on taking leave of me he told me though not with as much earnestness and fervor as when he came that i might rest assured of his faith and of the sanctity and sincerity of his oaths and to confirm his words he drew a rich ring off his finger and placed it upon mine he then took his departure and i was left i know not whether sorrowful or happy all i can say is i was left agitated and troubled in mind and almost bewildered by what had taken place and i had not the spirit or else it did not occur to me to chide my maid for the treachery she had been guilty of in concealing don fernando in my chamber for as yet i was unable to make up my mind whether what had befallen me was for good or evil i told don fernando at parting that as i was now his he might see me on other nights in the same way until it should be his pleasure to let the matter become known but except the following night he came no more nor for more than a month could i catch a glimpse of him in the street or in church while i wearied myself with watching for one although i knew he was in the town and almost every day went out hunting a pastime he was very fond of i remember well how sad and dreary those days and hours were to me i remember well how i began to doubt as they went by and even to lose confidence in the faith of don fernando and i remember too how my maid heard those words in reproof of her audacity that she had not heard before and how i was forced to put a constraint on my tears and on the expression of my countenance not to give my parents cause to ask me why i was so melancholy and drive me to invent falsehoods in reply but all this was suddenly brought to an end for the time came when all such considerations were disregarded and there was no further question of honour when my patience gave way and the secret of my heart became known abroad the reason was that a few days later it was reported in the town that don fernando had been married in a neighbouring city to a maiden of rare beauty the daughter of parents of distinguished position though not so rich that her portion would entitle her to look for so brilliant a match it was said too that her name was lucinda and that at the betrothal some strange things had happened cardenio heard the name of lucinda but he only shrugged his shoulders bit his lips bent his brows and before long two streams of tears escaped from his eyes dorothea however did not interrupt her story but went on in these words this sad intelligence reached my ears and instead of being struck with a chill with such wrath and fury did my heart burn that i scarcely restrained myself from rushing out into the streets crying aloud and proclaiming openly the perfidy and treachery of which i was the victim but this transport of rage was for the time checked by a resolution i formed to be carried out the same night and that was to assume this dress which i got from a servant of my father's one of the zagals as they are called in farmhouses to whom i confided the whole of my misfortune and whom i entreated to accompany me to the city where i heard my enemy was he though he remonstrated with me for my boldness and condemned my resolution when he saw me bent upon my purpose offered to bear my company as he said to the end of the world i at once packed up in a linen pillow-case a woman's dress and some jewels and money to provide for emergencies and in the silence of the night without letting my treacherous maid know i sallied forth from the house accompanied by my servant and abundant anxieties and on foot set out for the city but borne as it were on wings by my eagerness to reach it 
if not to prevent what i presume to be already done at least to call upon don fernando to tell me with what conscience he had done it i reached my destination in two days and a half and on entering the city inquired for the house of lucinda's parents the first person i asked gave me more in reply than i sought to know he showed me the house and told me all that had occurred at the betrothal of the daughter of the family an affair of such notoriety in the city that it was the talk of every knot of idlers in the street he said that on the night of don fernando's betrothal with lucinda as soon as she had consented to be his bride by saying yes she was taken with a sudden fainting fit and that on the bridegroom approaching to unlace the bosom of her dress to give her air he found a paper in her own handwriting in which she said and declared that she could not be don fernando's bride because she was already cardenio's who according to the man's account was a gentleman of distinction in the same city and that if she accepted don fernando it was only in obedience to her parents in short he said the words of the paper made it clear she meant to kill herself on the completion of the betrothal and gave her reasons for putting an end to herself all which was confirmed it was said by a dagger they found somewhere in her clothes on seeing this don fernando persuaded that lucinda had befooled slighted and trifled with him assailed her before she had recovered from her swoon and tried to stab her with a dagger that had been found and would have succeeded had not her parents and those who were present prevented him it was said moreover that don fernando went away at once and that lucinda did not recover from her prostration until the next day when she told her parents how she was really the bride of that cardenio i have mentioned i learned besides that cardenio according to report had been present at the betrothal and that upon seeing her betrothed contrary to his expectation he had quitted the city in despair leaving behind him a letter declaring the wrong lucinda had done him and his intention of going where no one should ever see him again all this was a matter of notoriety in the city and every one spoke of it especially when it became known that lucinda was missing from her father's house and from the city for she was not to be found anywhere to the distraction of her parents who knew not what steps to take to recover her what i learned revived my hopes and i was better pleased not to have found don fernando than to find him married for it seemed to me that the door was not yet entirely shut upon relief in my case and i thought that perhaps heaven had put this impediment in the way of the second marriage to lead him to recognize his obligations under the former one and reflect that as a christian he was bound to consider his soul above all human objects all this passed through my mind and i strove to comfort myself without comfort indulging in faint and distant hopes of cherishing that life that i now abhor but while i was in the city uncertain what to do as i could not find don fernando i heard notice given by the public crier offering a great reward to any one who should find me giving the particulars of my age and of the very dress i wore and i heard it said that the lad who came with me had taken me away from my father's house a thing that cut me to the heart showing how low my good name had fallen since it was not enough that i should lose it by my flight but they must add with whom i had fled and that one so much beneath me and so unworthy of my consideration the instant i heard the notice i quitted the city with my servant who now began to show signs of wavering in his fidelity to me and the same night for fear of discovery we entered the most thickly wooded part of these mountains but as is commonly said one evil calls up another 
and the end of one misfortune is apt to be the beginning of one still greater and so it proved in my case for my worthy servant until then so faithful and trusty when he found me in this lonely spot moved more by his own villainy than by my beauty sought to take advantage of the opportunity which these solitudes seemed to present him and with little shame and less fear of god and respect for me began to make overtures to me and finding that i replied to the effrontery of his proposals with justly severe language he laid aside the entreaties which he had employed at first and began to use violence but just heaven that seldom fails to watch over and aid good intentions so aided mine that with my slight strength and with little exertion i pushed him over a precipice where i left him whether dead or alive i know not and then with greater speed than seemed possible in my terror and fatigue i made my way into the mountains without any other thought or purpose save that of hiding myself among them and escaping my father and those dispatched in search of me by his orders it is now i know not how many months since with this object i came here where i met a herdsman who engaged me as his servant at a place in the heart of this sierra in all this time i have been serving him as herd striving to keep always afield to hide these locks which have now unexpectedly betrayed me but all my care and pains were unavailing for my master made the discovery that i was not a man and harbored the same base designs as my servant and as fortune does not always supply a remedy in cases of difficulty and i had no precipice or ravine at hand down which to fling the master and cure his passion as i had in the servant's case i thought it a lesser evil to leave him and again conceal myself among these crags than make trial of my strength and argument with him so as i say once more i went into hiding to seek for some place where i might with sighs and tears implore heaven to have pity on my misery and grant me help and strength to escape from it or let me die among the solitudes leaving no trace of an unhappy being who by no fault of hers has furnished matter for talk and scandal at home and abroad end of volume one part one chapter twenty eight Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.